Welcome to Behind the Business Podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing episodes that take you behind the scenes of industry-leading creative small businesses. We'll talk about real life, messy behind the scenes of running a successful creative business in today's world, and hopefully help you combat the perception of perfection within our industry. I hope each episode encourages you to keep showing up imperfectly within your own business and make your own unique impact on this world. Grab a cup of coffee or wine and let's get right to it. Cheers. Hi guys, I have Bonnie here today and I am so excited to have her on the podcast. I have had the pleasure of working with Bonnie through her group coaching program and I have learned so much and it was such a foundational part of how I started running my business. And so I'm super excited to chat with her today. Bonnie, can you share a little bit about yourself and your business? Absolutely. Thank you so much for that really warm welcome, Manali. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you today. And for those who are tuning in who I haven't had the pleasure of connecting with before, my name is Bonnie. I'm a brand designer and strategist for creative entrepreneurs, and I'm also a coach for fellow graphic brand and web designers. So essentially, I'm on a mission to help creative entrepreneurs, regardless of their industry, figure out how they can pursue a profitable and purposeful business that aligns with their definition of success success and doesn't require that they subscribe to hustle culture or subscribe to this idea of always striving and always working towards more. Because from my own experience in the 10 years that I have been an entrepreneur, I've experienced burnout time and time again. And I know how unsustainable it is to kind of keep working at that breakneck sort of directionless hustle kind of pace day after day. So with everything that I do, I am on a mission to help my clients and my students learn how they can experience that intersection of purpose and passion and profit. So I'm really excited to be here today, kind of talking through some of my own journey and some of the lessons I've learned along the way. Yeah, I'm super excited. And I feel like everything that you just shared, I'm like very excited to kind of like dive into different parts of that. And I wanted to kick things off with saying you shared a post recently about why you share your secrets with other designers who you might like, some people might view as your competition, but you talked about how you focus on abundance rather than scarcity and how that has helped you grow your business. So can you share a little bit more about that? Oh, for sure. So with that post specifically, my intention was to kind of point out something that, you know, other people in the industry have shared with me, or I've heard, you know, kind of that resistance in conversations with other people over the years where, and especially I've seen this and you can probably relate to this, like coming from the photography industry, but with some kind of subsets of the creative industry, it can kind of feel like there's this culture of guarding our secrets, like kind of guarding our trade secrets and our industry know-how. And we like keep those cards really close to our chest because we don't want for other people to have a leg up on us. And I think that where that actually comes from is this sort of a culture of scarcity. It's kind of rooted in this of lack of, you know, there's not enough to go around. There aren't enough clients. There aren't enough projects. There aren't enough, you know, shoots or uh, students or, you know, clients or whatever you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so when we're buying into that kind of belief system that manifests itself in this kind of attitude of thinking that like, I can't trust other people in my field because they're my competition and you know, they're, they don't really have my best interest at heart. They're not really looking out for me or can manifest itself in this feeling of, of 
isolation, feeling like I have to be this, you know, this island of one over here. And that can be really, uh, can be a really lonely place to be. So where I'm coming from with choosing abundance over scarcity or choosing abundance over this idea of lack is that I have learned in the, the, over the decade that I've been in business, I've seen nothing bad happen when I share what I know with others. I have seen only good things happen when I share what I know and what I've learned, because what I'm doing is I'm actually helping other people, especially when back in 2015, when I started getting into education, coaching courses, things like that, I started seeing that the more I was able to share, I was actually helping other people who were coming up in their small business journeys save time or bypass mistakes that I made or fast track their growth. And I was able to see all that happen because, uh, you know, there's this attitude now, thankfully that we have this value for community over competition. And I think that as that was starting to take root, that just helped to reaffirm in my mind, this idea that like Nothing bad happens when we share freely with those who need our help. And by helping your, you know, quote unquote competition, you're not actually doing anything bad. You're not like sabotaging yourself. You're not like giving them a leg up over you. Instead, you're actually elevating the industry as a whole, because when your competition let's just, you know, call it that when your competition knows how to provide a higher level of service, and then they know how to charge appropriately for that level of service, then they're able to raise their rates, which means that you are also able to have higher rates that are commiserate with that level of service that you offer. And you're not creating this dynamic where a client or a customer is having to choose between someone who's this like unbelievable kind of steal of a deal price. That's almost like too low, too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And someone who is a, a higher level of investment, right? Like we're helping people raise those standards. We're helping people learn how they can make a living salary, doing the work that they do and how the industry can support that. And then from that place, if we kind of get into sort of the, the like buying behaviors that come from that and the psychology standpoint of that, we can also dive deeper into this idea that people, when we are elevating our industries and we're able to educate, uh, our, you know, competition and our fellow service providers about what to charge and how to structure your services and how to deliver a really quality experience to your clients, your customers, then we can start to train our customers and we can start to train our audiences about what to expect, what standards to hold, what expectations to hold and what kind of investments are on par with that. And so mm -hmm. I view it as, you know, that's kind of like the nerdy stuff about it. I view it as this really beautiful kind of almost like, you know, symbiotic sort of experience, yeah. but when we boil it down to what's at the core of it, uh, you know, believing in abundance, believing that there is more than enough to go around, believing that your growth doesn't take something from someone mm -hmm. and likewise, their growth doesn't take anything from you is from my perspective, a much freer and a much more, much more easeful way to do business. Yeah, I totally agree. And I can like re remember back to when I first started, I think really initially when I first started out as a photographer, it was very overwhelming. It felt like there were a lot of other photographers kind of in the industry or like within my specific area. But as soon as I kind of like made the switch to be like, there is an abundance of clients just because somebody else books someone does not mean that I 
will be able to book the number of clients that I'm like really dreaming of. Like even just making that really subtle mindset shift that kind of like opened me up to thinking of ways that I could improve my own business or like my own client experience and really believe that there were those clients out there and in turn, you know, find and book them. And if I had my calendar full because I had those relationships with my quote unquote competition, I felt so good about being able to refer, you know, a potential client to a competitor or a friend in the industry and knowing that I'm helping her build up her business. If she had a date that was already booked, she would refer them to me. And so it's a very symbiotic relationship. I think when you can look at it through that lens. And I loved how you mentioned how it really does elevate our industry as a whole and helps people see that, you know, we can, I don't like the phrase charge our worth, but, you know, charge an adequate amount to be able to make a living, a really proper living off of what we do. And it's not like the stigma of what is it? The stigma of the suffering artist. I don't believe that should be something that perpetuates within our like industry and within our our society. And so I love that idea of like making it a little bit easier for somebody who's coming along in the hopes of helping them see that like for them, the dream is possible too. And it's very easy and like very, well, not easy, but very doable for you to be able to, you know, charge what you're really dreaming of to support a lifestyle that you really want from your business. So I loved that. And I wanted to ask you of how would you suggest that somebody who's either starting off in their business or is in like an active season of growth, like how would you maybe encourage them to apply that like principle to their business? Yeah. I think that when you're in a season of growth, when I look back on my journey or when I think about over the years, different coaching students that I've worked with, when I look at that growth, uh, experience that so many of us are having when we're pivoting or when we're taking intentional actions to meet a new goal, or we're creating a new offer, or we're rebranding. I think about where we are in those situations and how we're going through a lot of change. And for a lot of, for most of us, I'd say change can be an uncomfortable sort of experience, even if it's positive change, even if it's positive growth and you're moving in a direction that you're excited about, it's unknown to you. It's something you haven't done before. And so it can feel a little intimidating. It can feel kind of scary. So I encourage you when you're in that kind of season to be gentle with yourself, to be really thoughtful about the, what you're asking yourself to do and the ways that you're putting pressure on yourself to perform. And when you are showing up to the actions that you want to do in order to make the progress that you're wanting to see instead of, you know, kind of going back to that idea of scarcity of lack, instead of believing that, you know, oh, I can't raise my race because people won't pay that kind of price or, oh, I can't, I don't know if I can like successfully make this move to a new market because I don't think that there are enough ideal clients there. You know, if we look at some of those concerns, not to invalidate them, but to look at, okay, what evidence do I actually have that fear is true or that those fears are indicative of what I'm going to experience. So instead of looking at it from this place of I'm growing, my business is growing. And so I need to like, kind of, you know, clench my hands and hold on to everything so tight because so much is changing and I don't know what to expect instead sort of loosening that grip, opening up your hands and in a sense and choosing to expand versus, uh, 
play small or constrict or get smaller. Like I see a lot of uh, people in the creative industry, especially where when we're, uh, when we're starting a business or when we're moving in a new direction, like we're executing a really thoughtful pivot. It's easy for us to make decisions that are just stretching us a little bit outside of our comfort zone, but not too much because we don't want to do anything that's too scary or too intimidating. And so what we're actually doing is we're unintentionally holding ourselves back from the amount of growth that we could experience if we chose to be expansive. So instead of saying, okay, right now I'm in this season of growth and I'm going in this, this amazing direction with my business, but in order to connect with the clients that I want to work with, I know that I need to rebrand and I need to redesign my website. And, you know, I need to do all these things instead of looking at that and saying, okay, I know that I need to do that. And I know that will have a measurable ROI instead of looking at that and saying, but I can't afford it. Telling ourselves, I don't have the money for that. I can't afford that. If we flip it and we say, okay, I don't have that money in my bank account yet, but what can I do to go out and get the money that I need in order to rebrand the way that I want to, or invest in this education or hire my first employee or hire a VA, like all these different opportunities that we have ways that we can practice that idea of abundance really does start with looking inward And looking at opportunities and and challenges, I I should say, not as problems, but as opportunities to expand versus opportunities to stay small or to give into the fear or to, you know, hinder our growth unintentionally in a way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's such a subtle shift too. I think it's very easy to kind of like think of the worst case or the what ifs or immediately go to limit yourself instead of thinking and just flipping that and being like, what if I could, you know, offer something and then bring in this money, which will allow me to invest in like a rebrand or something like that. And just like Mm -hmm. making that subtle shift. What are the opportunities that are coming out of this challenge? Like, how can I view it as an opportunity rather than something that's like limiting me and what I want to do currently. So I love that. So I know you mentioned in your intro that you really love helping creatives avoid the burnout. And you've mentioned you've had some personal experiences with it. You use the term a work-life integration instead of balance. And so I wanted you to just expand on that idea and that concept for people. Yeah, for sure. It's funny that you mentioned that because this is actually, it's even still like a relatively newer concept to me too, because for years and years, I have called it what so many of us have called it like work-life balance, that idea Mm -hmm. of, you know, finding that way to sort of balance your personal life and your professional life in a way Mm -hmm. that reaches some kind of equilibrium. And I was actually talking with my therapist about this like months ago, and she introduced this idea of integration instead of balance integration. And what really resonated with me on that topic was that balance from my personal experience, balance always made me feel like it was kind of this, this very uneven sort of thing. If you think about a seesaw on a playground and you've got, you know, like only one person on one end of it. Then the other end is like way up in the air until you get a counterweight on the other end of it, or, you know, another person, and then it balances out. But if one person wants to get off, like the, uh, it's just this really wonky kind of thing. And I like, I'm a visual person. I'm a visual thinker. And so when I think about kind of work-life balance, I think like, how am I going to keep my personal life and my professional life in this kind of like balance in this kind of state of equilibrium when life 
changes, when seasons of life come and go, when I change and I grow as a person, like how do I, you know, my family changes my, like all the things, you know, like there's so many things to think through there. So with integration, what I really like about this and what, you know, really resonated with me is this idea that when you're practicing work-life integration, the goal is not so much to keep your personal and your professional life, like at opposite ends of this, like kind of, you know, like spectrum basically, but instead it's about, it's about compromise. It's about working your, you know, kind of integrating your, your professional responsibilities into your life in a way where they're not these two completely separate entities, but instead there's more flex in the day-to-day there's more flex in your schedule and you get to have a lot more uh, choice. You get to have a lot more freedom and flexibility to say, you know, I can choose what serves me well based on the season of life that I'm in, based on what my family needs for me, or based on what I need to do to support myself or what my business needs in order to, you know, achieve my goals. And with that, I found there's a lot of freedom that kind of comes from it too, because instead of it being like this very sort of like rigid kind of balancing act, it's much more fluid where during, let's say a season of work where I'm launching a new offer. And so I'm having to work more than I normally do, or, you know, things are are heavier or harder or more, there's just more content or marketing that I need to create instead of feeling like stressed about this, because I can't fit this into my normal schedule at my normal routine. I can say, oh, I'm in a season where, where work needs to be something that gets a little bit more of my attention than my personal life. And I'm okay with that because when this is over, there's a clear end in sight. And when this is over, I can go back to giving my personal life more of my attention and more of my time. So kind of looking at it as something that has more of that sort of flexibility to it and more of that fluidity to it as well can really, for some people, I find it's more freeing than the more traditional idea of, of work-life balance. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I've noticed even over the past couple of years, I used to hold myself to a very strict work schedule. And it took a lot of like reflection to realize that this wasn't exactly serving me in the best way possible. And so I would not take very many breaks during the workday. And I've had to start to check in almost daily of like, what does my personal energy look like? Am I going to, you know, be a hundred percent nose down in business things today, or do I need to take a break? Kind of just like tapping into that in the morning for me is how I look at it. And I do have seasons on my calendar where I know this is going to be a heavier month of just, you know, photographing a lot of shoots and just like knowing mentally that's coming up. I'm okay with that. And if I need to be spending a little bit more hours, like running my business, that's okay. I'm not going to feel guilty around having it be what's predominantly taking my energy, but also knowing that and being sure to build in like periods of rest throughout too has been so, so helpful. And I love the idea of integration because you're not just setting the pieces and like setting a certain like percentage of time that you're dedicating to one or the other, but you can take what you need, you know? any given day or any given season and just allow yourself the flexibility to do that, I think is so, so helpful and very helpful for having a sustainable business that, you know, you're going to be in for the long run. So I love that, that visual that you gave of the seesaw, because that definitely feels like what I was trying to do when I first started. And so I like the term integration instead of balance, because it feels 
a little bit more doable and a little bit more sustainable for the long run. I wanted to, how would you suggest somebody keeps that in mind, especially during a busier season in their business? Well, I think that one helpful kind of thing to practice would be checking in with yourself. Mm -hmm. And instead of telling yourself, oh, I'm in a busy season and I'm too busy. I can't, you know, I can't give myself a a 30 minute break or, you know, an hour at the coffee shop to like really sit down and look at my schedule and wrap my head around this. Mm -hmm. Instead of telling yourself that look at it as an opportunity of, I, I can't, I can't continue to stay this busy without understanding what priorities deserve my attention and what actions will serve me best during this season. So if if it's a really busy season in your business and you're kind of approaching it like a sprint, like maybe you're gearing up for a launch or you've got a lot of, you know, start of wedding season coming up where you've got a lot of shoots on the calendar, instead of just like blindly, actually, excuse me, let me rephrase that. Instead of just diving into it without your awareness, you know, being centered on what needs to happen and what is truly important, taking some time to sit down and actually look at what's coming up on the calendar and and what you need to do and identifying what priorities are existing in this season can help you actually filter out a lot of the things that aren't so important, or maybe some, you know, day of or week of kind of distractions that might pop up. You can say, I've decided to prioritize my client work or my launch or my upcoming sessions in this season. So although this opportunity or this idea or this, you know, whatever sounds really great and I'm interested, I can say yes to it after this busy season wraps up for me. So knowing like what's coming down the pipeline for you knowing how you want to set those priorities and then honoring those priorities so that you are not overextending yourself in an already busy season. So I think that simply, you know, just kind of showing up and taking a little bit of time for yourself to check in and ask, you know, what's coming down the pipeline? What are the non-negotiables? What are the results that I want to see? What actions do I need to do to support myself? What outside support, what external support might I need in order to show up in the way that I want to show up in this season? What's not important right now? You know, like just answering a few questions and sort of brain dumping even could be really helpful to identify how you want to move through that season in a way where work is not the be all end all of your life. Like it can be because right. If we're thinking about how sometimes as small business owners, we have seasons that are busier than others. And so if we look at that and we know that we can say, all right, I can show up for this season and be a little busier than normal and maybe work a little bit more than I normally do. But I know that this is not my norm. And I know that I have this end date in sight so that I'm able to pour back into myself. I'm able to, you know, pour back into like my energy, my family, like myself, you know, where I want to be. Yeah. I love that. And I like the idea of the end date because I feel like sometimes we get just so into it and so used to it that we start kind of just like operating out of that, almost out of routine. If we don't have the intentionality to step back and just reflect and be like, okay, has this season come to a close? Am I working out of the sake of just being used to like working a little bit more than I maybe did during the off season. So I really love that like intentionality of here's what the upcoming season looks like. Here's kind of like the end date that I have for this busy season so that it doesn't snowball into perpetually being in busy season. Cause I, I know that I can definitely get into that like 
habit or that routine if I don't intentionally have a little like a stop date or even a month where I'm like, okay, this is going to be my month to recharge after a really busy shooting month or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to change the direction of our conversation a little bit. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I had the honor of going through your group coaching program. And there have been two things that you taught within that that have really stuck with me over the years. And so I wanted to share those with the audience because they were two things that I hadn't really heard about before going through the program. And they have been so influential to how I continue to do business today. And so I remember there's one phrase that I will think to myself all the time now, and it's your phrase of choosing data over the drama and kind of making decisions from a place of the actual data and like the numbers that you do have rather than getting caught up in those feelings. And I know for me, this personally ties into immediately going into kind of like the worst case scenario or the fear or the scarcity that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. So I wanted to give you a chance to expand on that idea and share about that with the audience, because I do think it's so, so helpful to keep in mind day in and day out. Absolutely. I'm so, so excited that this is something that has still stayed with you Mm -hmm. even after the group coaching program wrapped up, because I feel like this is something that has been really helpful for me too. This is something Mm -hmm. that like I I teach this and I share this because I subscribe to this as well. And really what this idea, this, like this concept of data over drama. And if you know, you're tuning into this episode, you might've heard this before. I'm not the person that coined this. I actually don't know who did, but it's this idea that we focus on the facts of a situation and we don't give into the heightened emotionally driven story that our minds like to tell us about a situation. And I use this in my personal relationships. I use this in my professional relationships. I use this to analyze launch data. I use this to look at my finances, I use this in everything. And it's something that you, we, you practice telling yourself, you know, okay, I'm choosing to focus on the data over the drama and you're retraining your brain to look at situations through a different lens. And what you're doing there is when you're focusing on the data or the facts or, you know, the figures of a situation that I find, and, and I've seen this happen with my coaching students over the years, when I see someone who is telling themselves a story and I can see they're kind of, they've gotten sort of like almost lost in the narrative in their mind where they've been thinking about this a lot. They've been stressing about it a lot. And so they've told themselves this over and over again. And so it's kind of like on loop and in their heads, let's say they are, they wanted to hit a certain sales goal for the quarter and they haven't hit it yet. And the quarter's coming to a close and they're starting to kind of freak out and panic. This quarter was horrible. I didn't even like, I made no money. I did not come anywhere close to my sales goal. I feel horrible about myself. I'm a bad business owner. You know, I've definitely told myself stories like that in the past. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. When I hear that, what I want to do is because that is not a narrative, that's not a story that's serving that person. That's not teaching them anything good. That's not them speaking kindly to themselves. That's not them practicing self-trust or practicing abundance. That is, that's a lot of fear. And so before we let the fear take control of everything and run us off the road, I like to interrupt that by redirecting the attention to the facts of the situation. So in this scenario, this person, this hypothetical person is upset because they weren't able to hit their sales goal for the quarter. 
Okay. What sales did you make in this quarter? How many clients did you bring in? How much cash have you collected? How much revenue are you projected to collect, you know, through, through the end of the quarter? Okay. What did you do that was successful, right? What marketing methods or what lead generation methods did you use that helped you go out there and connect with these incredible new clients that you've booked? And what we do there is it might seem a little dry or a little boring, but by looking at the spreadsheet, by looking at the bank statements or whatever, we're kind of interrupting the fear and we're saying, excuse me, I, you know, I appreciate what you're trying to do and how you're trying to keep me safe here, but let's actually take a minute to look at the facts of this situation. And I would say that nine times out of 10, when I'm doing this with a coaching student, I am finding, or when I do this with myself, even I'm finding that the story that I was telling myself in my head is not in proportion to like the actual truth of what I'm seeing on paper or on my computer screen. So usually, you know, someone's saying, oh, I didn't hit my sales goal and I'm, you know, I didn't hardly make any sales. And maybe their goal was to make 10 sales that quarter and they made five or six instead of 10. That's not nothing like five or Mm -hmm. six new clients. That's amazing. That's definitely worth celebrating. And based on how much time we have until the end of the quarter, if we're practicing more expansive thinking, instead of saying, oh, the quarter is basically over. I might as well just pack it up and go home. Instead, if we say, all right, we've got X number of weeks until the end of this quarter, we've got X number of days to still go and make progress on this goal. What are we going to do? What ways are we going to go out there and we're going to connect with potential clients and we're going to go out there and generate these sales. And so by simply focusing on like the data of a situation over the drama, not to say what we're not doing, we're not, we're not ignoring our emotions and we're not invalidating our emotions. We're not shaming ourselves for having emotions and being like normal, healthy humans. What we're doing is we're putting it in perspective. We're, we're acknowledging, okay, I have these feelings or these fears or these doubts or whatever, but I'm putting it in the perspective of looking at that with the context of what my numbers actually look like. So I can make a decision like a CEO instead of a freaked out freelancer. (laughs) I love that. And I, I resonate with that. And something that I've had to remind myself is a very similar mindset of the all or nothing mindset is kind of what I call it. And I used to fall into the trap of thinking like, okay, if I only hit 97% of the sales goal that I had, I would get so focused on that 3% that I didn't hit as opposed to giving credit to like the 97% or those five or six clients that did end up booking. If you did have a goal of 10, and I think that all or nothing thinking of it's either a hundred percent, like we crush the goal or like none of our progress counts. That's not a very productive way of viewing things. And I love the idea of putting your um, feelings kind of into context with the data and then looking at it and not judging or shaming yourself for what you see, but rather taking that and being like, okay, how can I just improve on this from an impartial kind of view instead of operating totally just out of those emotions that do come up and that are very normal and just very valid to have. But it's like letting yourself feel it and then having this practice of checking it, putting it in its place and then thinking, okay, how do I want to move forward from here? So mm-hmm. I yeah, love that. Yeah. There is another idea that you shared within the group coaching program that has really stuck with me. And it's all about how to capture the attention of your ideal clients by talking about the transformation that you provide for them or guide them through rather than putting yourself at the forefront of all of your marketing. So I wanted to hear you 
talk a little bit about that and share a little bit about that with the audience too. Absolutely. So it's kind of funny that this is a a concept that really resonated with you as well. And that we're talking about today, because it actually kind of like segues really beautifully with what we were just talking about this idea of, of, you know, data over drama. And I mentioned that when we practice that data-based decision-making, we're practicing, we're operating at more of a CEO level versus, you know, kind of a a freaked out, like panicked uh, freelancer kind of level. And with this idea of leveraging the transformation of your work and using that to authentically and relationally connect with the people that need your work, that is another CEO level decision and another CEO level action to take versus making your putting all the pressure on yourself to be the center of your service, to be the center of your product. That is more of a freelancer kind of decision where you're the one who has to go out. You're the one who kind of has to hustle to get the sales, to get the clients, to, you know, generate the leads. Instead, if we look at your work and instead of saying, all right, you're a photographer and you offer these incredible, these just beautiful and fun and joyful portrait sessions. Instead of you going out there and being like, I'm the photographer who offers these sessions. If you focus on the transformation that your sessions share and and provide with the clients that sign up for them and that hire you, look at how your clients that are coming to you, how are they changing? How are they growing? How are they experiencing positive forward growth towards how they want to feel or their goals or what they want to experience when they work with you. And what we're doing there by looking at that is we're identifying, first of all, where your ideal client is when they first come to you. So what their situation looks like, and then kind of the end goal, where they want to go and what that looks like. And we're using your services, your work, your product, whatever that is, as essentially the bridge that takes your ideal client from point A to point B. And an easy way to communicate that, an easy way to to kind of share that information in a way that can be really captivating to your ideal client is to to talk about the transformation that your work provides. It's just a, a simple statement where you're highlighting who you are, what you do, and who you help and the the transformation or the value that it offers. So in this example of thinking about like if you're a portrait photographer, you're not just giving people images, you're giving them confidence. You're giving them, uh, you know, a, a beautiful, fun, joyful experience. You're giving them the freedom to feel at home in their own skin in front of the camera. Uh, you're giving them memories. You're giving that, like we could, you know, talk about this could be its own podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Like we could talk about this like all day, but when you break it down and you look at actually what kind of growth or value or benefit your service is providing to the people that come to you and you start talking about your work in that way. And you start making the transformation, the focus, you start making that kind of take the forefront. It doesn't really matter so much. Like, obviously you're the person who's there and who's facilitating that transformation. Who's if we're, you know, kind of borrowing from, I think it's Donald Miller of story brand. If we're kind of following his framework of, you know, you're the guide that is guiding your ideal client on their hero's journey. What we're doing there is we're thinking about how you are able to connect with the kinds of people who need your work and who are interested in working with you. But instead of you showing up and being like, 
Hey, I'm a portrait photographer and I would love to work with you. You can say, Hey, my portrait photography sessions help you feel this way or help you experience this or help you walk away with these kinds of images. And I would be honored to help you on that journey. I'd be honored to work with you in that way. I'd love to get you in front of my camera and just have the best shoot ever that makes you feel like your best self. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we take that pressure off of ourselves. It's not up to us. We don't have to be the face of everything. It doesn't have to be all on our shoulders instead of us selling our like charisma in a sense, we're selling the transformation and that's what people want to invest in. That's what people want to buy in. And I find that over the years, when I coach people through making that switch in their businesses, it helps them feel so much more free because instead of feeling like, if someone reaches out and is interested in my work and then they don't hire me, it means something about me. Instead of believing that they say, okay, someone reached out and they wanted to hire me and the transformation of my work didn't resonate. And that's okay. Cause like, it's one thing to feel rejected personally. It's another thing to just know, oh, okay. The transformation of my service or the transformation that my product provides just wasn't the best fit for this person. And one, one helps us feel much more closure and much more peace about a situation that might not pan out the way you initially wanted it to. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it takes the emotional level out of it and is a little bit less personal when things like that happen. And I think it also makes it easier to speak to just like the benefits of the work that you provide rather than just being like, here are the specific things that I offer. You can kind of speak to the more emotional side of things where people tend to make emotional purchases first and then try to like logic and rationale their purchase. But at the end of the day, as humans, we'll put our money where we feel emotionally connected or tied to a certain transformation. And really when we're purchasing something for the sake of what exactly is included, but rather how we're going to be at the end of that product or that service. And that's usually what we're looking for when we're buying. But I loved that whole idea. It just takes the pressure off of things a little bit and still will connect with your clients in an easier way too. So I loved that you shared that. I wanted to thank you for all of this. And this podcast has been so great. I'm so, so excited for everyone to tune in and hear this one because I think it just really covered a lot of great things and a lot of little shifts that people can start making today and just to experience more freedom within their business moving forward. But to wrap things up, I kind of wanted to ask you the signature question, take us behind the scenes of your business and tell us a little bit of what you're excited to be working on currently. Yeah, ooh, for sure. So right now I am time of recording. I am putting together a really amazing, thoughtful program for graphic brand and web designers who want to create six figure plus businesses in 20 hours or less every week. So I'm putting together a program to show designers how you can create these incredibly profitable businesses without clocking 40 hours a week, without taking your time away from your family or your partner or your pets or how you want to be spending your life. And so that has been keeping me busy behind the scenes and sort of like in the day-to-day every, and you know, this is like my favorite thing of being an entrepreneur and running your own business is that every day there's, you know, something new that you get to kind of dive in 
into, but right now in this season, like we were talking about work-life integration right now in this iteration of business and kind of what things are looking like for me, I love having, you know, a really fun mix each week of, of client work, of connecting with my students inside my signature program, the brand strategy school, and, uh, you know, working behind the scenes with my team on just creating more opportunities to serve the creative industry with intention and action-based education. I love that. And I know of a few designers off the top of my head that went through the group coaching program with me that I've seen you kind of help them get that transformation within their business. So I am super excited. That sounds super fun. I can't wait to hear you just share that whenever you're ready to with the creative industry. I think it's going to be game changing. Cause I totally agree. I feel like that's very doable, even if you don't have 40 hours a week. And there's a lot of people that don't necessarily have 40 hours a week. And so I love that it's just going to meet them right where they are, but I wanted to thank you for coming on and I wanted to have you share where people can find you online. If they want to continue following along with you. Absolutely. So I am on Instagram most of the time. So if you want to be social, that's the best place to find me. I'm over at Bonnie Joy Marie is my handle. And then if you want to check out my blog or my podcast or any of the work that I do, you can head over to my website, which is B is for Bonniedesign.com and dive into all that there. And if you have any like questions or just want to say, Hey, I love getting to connect with people. So feel free to, my DMS are open. So feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram and I'd love to get to connect with y'all. All right. And we'll have both of those down in the show notes below too. So you can go ahead and click on those links to connect with Bonnie, but thank you so, so much for coming on and I will catch everyone in the next episode. If you're loving this episode, I would love for you to swipe a page or two out of my free resources library. I have a free class all on the systems you need to quickly grow your photography business. I cover three key systems that you need in place to be able to grow your business and triple your wedding bookings and go full time in less than one year. I also have another freebie just for you. I am letting you swipe my booked wedding client questionnaire. Whenever I have a wedding client book, I always do a little happy dance and then personalize their client experience with this questionnaire. It gets me all of the details that I need right up front, right when they book, and it sets me up to figure out what sets me apart from other people in the market, figure out more details about them and personalize their wedding experience, and help start planning out their engagement session and more. Be sure to go to manaliphotography.com or see the show notes to grab either one of these two freebies, and I can't wait to see how it helps you grow your business.